we've been talking through Galatians. Um, we got all the way through Galatians 4 last week, and so we're going to get Galatians 5, verses 1 through 15 this week. Um, kind of give some, some preparation leading up to, up to what's, um, what's happening here. As if you remember, we ended Galatians chapter 4 uh, talking about Hagar and Ishmael and then uh, Sarah and Isaac. So you got the two different, the two different branches of uh, the family there for Abraham. Remember, Abraham um, and, and Sarah conceived this plan where that she would give one of her servants, Hagar, to Abraham because God had made the promise that through Abraham's seed that he was going to bless the earth. All right, so at the very end of that, then we learned last week that uh, Paul says that these represent the two covenants, the covenant of the law, the covenant of grace. And he said, but we're not of those that were born in bondage, but we are of those who were born and are free because when Christ came and we were reborn in him, then there is freedom. And so that gets us to Galatians chapter 5. I have to keep reminding myself when I'm reading stuff like this that it wasn't written chapter and verse. All right? And sometimes we read Scripture as if it's chapter and verse, but this was actually an entire letter written to the church at Galatia. So if you don't take it in context like that, then you're going to find, as we talk today, that sometimes you'll take a verse and you'll do something that's, that's way off base. And we're going, to, we're going to cover one of those today. But you guys know, if, if you've been keeping up with podcast or keeping up here, that all that Paul's been talking about for four chapters is law and grace, law and grace. And he's come at it from every different angle. So we've ended what we see as a chapter with saying we're not of those that were born in bondage, but we are born free. And so at that point then, that's when we get to Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 15. And this is what he says. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You've fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty only, liberty. only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, 
Beware lest you be consumed by one another. Let's pray over the word. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. Um, God, I thank you that, that we come together to worship you and it's not about perfection and it's not about uh, does everything go exactly right, but Father, that we come to worship you and to give you praise and give you honor. And so God, I pray that you will um, open up our hearts because your word already has power. But God, that you'll open up our hearts to receive what you have for us today. And we'll give you all the honor and all the praise. We just pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. Church together said, Amen. Amen. All right, so here's the, here's the points we're going to get today. Here's the five points that we're going to cover out of this passage. Number one is falling from grace. Number two, faith trumps tradition. Number three, who tripped you? Uh, number four, set free to serve. And number five, you are what you eat. We're going to find all of those in this passage. So number one, falling from grace. So let's talk about verses three and four. He says, I'll say it again. If you were trying to find favor with God, this is New Living Translation, by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Now, right off the bat, this is one of the scriptures that often gets misinterpreted. Very often gets misinterpreted. A lot of churches and a lot of ministers have attempted to take and use this verse to say, oh, see, you can fall from grace, therefore you can lose your salvation. And that's their, that's their approach with this verse. But the problem is that when we, as I said earlier, when we begin to take Scripture out of context, and we've been reading this context of Galatians chapter 4 for weeks, because, because we're all the way up through four chapters, and it's taken us a lot longer than that, than, than a week per chapter. But the main reason it normally happens when people misinterpret a scripture like this is pulling it out and trying to use it by itself without taking it into account. This is not a scripture proclaiming that, that the Galatians lost their salvation. So we're going to check to see how much you're listening. So what has the context of the book of Galatians been so far? Grace versus law. Grace versus law. So what Paul actually says is he says that if you are willing and you go back under the law, then doing so negates the grace of God in Jesus Christ. He says you're, you had a choice. You, you had this opportunity. You were in a position where you were bound to the law. But then Christ came along, paid the penalty for you, and, and relieved you from that. That's, that's what we've covered for weeks now. But he says, but when you choose to do that, and to place yourself back in bondage. He said, you had attained a higher level because you had moved from this base thing of trying to, to uh, through your perfection, achieve salvation, and you had accepted God's grace through Jesus Christ. And he said, so when you turn around and you step out of that higher position and back into this, you have fallen away from grace. He's not talking about you falling away from grace in the, in the point of salvation. He's saying you have fallen away from that God set you free through Jesus Christ and you've gone back to trying to do it on your own. I, I, I thought of an example and I, you know, because sometimes we just don't, we can't imagine this happening, but let's say today, this would be awesome, this would be great. Let's say that, uh, that I, yeah, I was going, yes, praise the Lord, do it, speak it. 
Uh, let's say that I, I told you, I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I, we're going we're gonna to draw a name. Somebody today is going to get a million dollars. I can guarantee you we could pack this place out if we advertise. That we're going to do a drawing and we're going to give away a million dollars, you know, next, next Sunday. Man, you'd have, the whole city would be here. People would be leaving their church. They'd be going, I'm not going over there. They never give me anything. <laughs> so, but let's say that happened. And we gave you a, a million dollars to pay off your debts. Tomorrow morning, you get up, go to work. They say, hey, you got to work 12 hours. You work 12 hours. You work 12 hours all this week. You go back the next week, the week after that, and you just keep making your little minimum payments on your debt. You keep doing it. And then all of a sudden, uh, about six months from now, you lose your job. And, uh, and you sit there and go, well, I don't know what we're going to do. I can't, can't pay my bills. And so a few months after that, you lose your house. And then you lose your car. And, then, and somebody comes along and says, what are you doing? I remember, did, didn't you go to that church that day and didn't you win that drawing for a million dollars? And you go, well, yeah. Okay, so why did you just lose your house and your car and all this money? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to use it. I don't think I'm supposed to earn my way in this deal. I mean, you'd be sitting there wanting to just slap them upside the head. I mean, saying, what is wrong with you? I mean, come on. I mean, I'll be honest, somebody gave me a million dollars tomorrow morning, the first thing I'd be doing, I'd be, I would, I would give to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> he had to put a check on me because I started to say, I would pay off my house, you know, and, and, but I mean, I'd stop and go, you know, oh, wait a minute, I need to be pastoral in this moment. Um, <laughs> the second thing that I would do <laughs> Man, I'd be calling up the mortgage company going, how do I pay y'all off? How does this need to happen? You know, I only got one other payment, and that's the truck. Um, and I, I'd, I'd be going, all right, hey, you know, here's y'all 10 grand to pay that off, and, and I think I got a little bit of school loan left. I'd be paying that off, and I'd be done. I mean, I'd be free. I'd be good. Now, I'll admit myself, I wouldn't be going crazy. You know, I, I did, just can't imagine myself being like some of these folks is going Hey, go spend $850,000 of it to go buy a house. It's bigger than what we can afford, and wife doesn't want to clean it anyway. And, and, and yeah, you know what I'm saying? And then she's going, hey, you better figure out a way with that other $150,000 that we're going to hire a maid. You know, going, mm, that was not a good move. Hey, just tell you what you got. But if you didn't do that, if people would look at you and go, what is wrong? Why? Why would you not utilize what was given to you and instead keep trying to do it yourself and then end up finding out that you failed at doing that and then you started losing and, and you started being affected? But that was what Paul was saying to them. He was saying, look, you've been given grace. You've been provided freedom, debt-free, paid off. Why do you keep trying to go back and do this? And he said, and when you do it, he said, understand this. You've fallen away from the grace that God has given you through Jesus Christ. Second Peter talks about um, using scriptures. And th chapter 3, verses 15 through 18 says, And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments were hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. 
Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop with that one for just a second. He says, he's, he's, Peter now makes the same point. He says, look, I know that Paul wrote some stuff to you and that sometimes his letters were a little difficult to understand. And uh, he says, but, but ignorant people... And we sometimes, we, we don't like that word anymore. We've made it, we've tried to equate that word with the bad word. You know, when, we're, you, know, when you got little kids, you're always going, don't use the S word. Hey, you, you don't tell them, don't, don't call people stupid. You know, you don't call people stupid. Ignorant is something totally different. Ignorant means you're unlearned. You don't know. It doesn't mean you don't have the capacity to know or that you don't have the capacity to understand. It says you have not been taught yet. So he said there are people who are unlearned who are unskilled in the Word. They're ignorant. And they take these difficult things that Paul says and they twist it and they turn it to make it be something else. He says, but when that happens, he says, then you lose your own secure footing. Well, what was that secure footing? Go back to what we just read, chapter 5, Galatians, verse 1. He says, stand fast. Stand fast means stand secure. It, it, it means that you're stable. It means that, that you're stationary. You're not being moved. You're not wandering about. He says, you, you've got a stable footing. So Peter makes the same connection. He says, look, when you fall away from these difficult things, then you lose your footing. You start to be a little unstable. You start to, to not be very sure. And so people can't count on you because where you stand and what you believe and what you say in your life, you're just up and down and up and down and I believe this and then I believe that and I'm unsure. And he says, don't lose your secure footing. And Peter inadvertently adds to what Paul says. He says, rather, grow in grace. He doesn't say you need to be growing in doing the law. He doesn't say you need to grow in performance. Any of those things. He says, you need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, the, the next item we have is faith trumps tradition. In, in verse 6, then he goes on and he says, For in Christ neither, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Um, this one I found very interesting. Paul just keeps hammering this point. He makes it clear that Christ brought about a change in religion. I, I, I actually told somebody this week, I, I had someone, uh, as they're off to do, people brought up and said in a discussion, they said, well, well your religion, uh, Christianity, y'all used to stone people to death for stuff, and y'all used to, y'all heard me say last week, you, can't eat, you couldn't eat shellfish, and you couldn't do it, and I said, nope, you're wrong. They're like, what? No, you're crazy. It's in the Bible. I said, hey, just because it's in the Bible didn't make it Christianity. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, hey, look, you had Judaism that was the start, that was under the law. And then Christ comes along, and it is when you get Christ that you get Christianity. So when, when, when Jesus comes along, when Christ comes along, then you get Christianity, not Judaism. In fact, Christ calls people to come out of Judaism into what we then termed Christianity. But it was a transition because Judaism still to this day remains under, they still believe the law. And they still, the, the, the purists will still try to adhere to the law. 
But Christ called people to come out of Judaism into Christianity. Paul says, though, he says, look, whether you adhere to the law or you don't adhere, it's not going to gain you acceptance or deny you acceptance in Christ. And, and that's what Paul was wrestling against. In 1 Corinthians 7.19, he says, it, it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments. Now, for all the guys that are, that are sitting here, you know, we're all going, I wish you'd stop talking about circumcision. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Everybody's going, I, look, you know, that happened before I had remembrance, you know, thank the good Lord. And uh, look, you could have been, you could have been in the Old Testament where when they first brought this about, and, and they go out and men 40, 50, 60 years old and all this, and they go through this experience. I mean, woo! I mean, just thank, thank the good Lord that he does not require that anymore. You know, that it's not necessary. So, but the point when he keeps talking circumcision was because that circumcision was, was there as a symbol. It was symbolic of a covenant relationship between God and people. Later he goes on, and, and God in fact speaks and says, look, it's not the outward circumcision that I need anymore. He says, but I want the circumcision of the heart. He says, the covenant is not going to be about you doing an outward thing. The covenant is going to be about what happens inside your heart. So he says here, he says, it doesn't make any difference whether you've been circumcised. Because what happens on the outside, what, what, you've, what ritual you've been through doesn't really matter. The important thing is that you keep... God's commandments. It, we've got rituals nowadays. We have religious rituals nowadays. And we, uh, and, and this is always dangerous for a pastor to talk about this because it, it almost sounds like you're going the opposite direction on what you should. Um, our ritual is show up for church. Okay, that's one of our rituals. Show up for church. Look, you need to show up for church. I mean, Hebrews talks about it. So don't forsake the assembling together yourselves as the manner of some is, especially as you see that day approaching. So if you see more stuff happening in the news that, that seems to be more related to end times than Hebrews tells you, then eat. when you see more of that happening, you ought to be more engaged about, not because you need to come to church, but because you come together with fellow believers. You encourage one another. You exhort one another to good works. You speak positive things to each other. You help hold each other accountable. You know, that, that's gone missing a lot in the church, of accountability to each other. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But he says, hey, it's not about going through the ritual. So just because you came to church doesn't mean anything. Not really. It means you were being obedient in some fashion to what the Word says. But he says, but the most important thing is that you keep God's commandments. So the other six days that you're not here, the other six days, and when you walk out of here today, do you keep God's commandments? Do you follow after doing what God has commanded us to do? Colossians 3, 10 and 11 says, put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us. Paul says this. He says, what matters is faith working through love. Faith working through love. James ended up talking about this and said, hey, now someone may argue that some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, he goes on to say, you say you have faith? 
For you believe that there is one God, good for you. <laughs> James just kind of, he's like, hey, woo! All right, you know, good for you, buddy. And then he goes on and just kind of makes it really hard. He says, hey, even the demons believe that. They believe in the name of God and they tremble. I mean, they, they already believe that. Since you're not doing anything that's all that outstanding because they believe. So when he says faith working through love, because that's what, that's what the passage there in Galatians said. He said what needs to happen is you need to be faith working through love. We're going to tie that in here in a second, so I want you to keep that thought in your mind. The next thing he, he gets to is basically, who tripped you? And I, I was thinking, uh, I'm not going to say who I was thinking of here in this church. <laughs> Look at all the, all the front row is just giggling. They're like, oh, we know who it is. Um, you ever been around somebody that could basically trip over air? You know, you're, walk, you're walking down the hall with them, you know, and all of a sudden they're, dump, 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 and you're like, what, what did you just, I don't know, I tripped over something. Um, that's almost the way that Paul responds because verses 7 through 9 in our passage, he says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. You were running the race so, so well. Many people, many people start off running the race of this life in Christ very well. I, uh, I mean, I've been in church my whole life. I mean, I... Uh, I've, I've seen so many, so many people come to Christ, begin a walk with Christ, and um, and then if if we've been saved, then we begin that process at some point. And so, you know, I, I don't know how many people I've seen that when they first start that process, they're they're very excited, they're very eager, and they're very humble, because if if you had a true conversion experience. And, and truly surrendered yourself to Christ, then one of the things that you had to do was you had to recognize that you were a sinner that needed Christ. And so that humility that comes, and you humble yourself, and then you ask Christ to come into your life because you recognize, I have a need that I can't provide for that only God can do, then you, got, you were very humble. And so most of the time what you were saying was you were going, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. You know, whatever it is, I'll do it. All you got to do is tell me. When I was a teenager, I remember that, that um, it was, uh, there used to be a song. I don't even remember what the name of the song was, but there was this song that talked about that, that uh, uh, you'd go anywhere and start naming foreign countries off and all that stuff, you know, that you'd, you'd go to all of these. And so all the kids, you know, the teenagers were afraid if they got saved, God was going to make them a missionary and, and send them off, you know, to the darkest regions of, of some country. But that's kind of where we were. We had that mindset that said, whatever you need from me, God, I'll do. That's what Paul says. He says, you started out running so well. You, you were humble, you were committed to what God wanted, you were doing anything He said, but He says, so what happened? What happened? Did somebody trip you up in this race? Did somebody stick something out and put you on your knees? Did they, what, what, what occurred? What happened? And I, as I thought through that, I realized that 
a part of what begins to happen is that when that humility is there at first and we're surrendered to God, we're willing to do what He wants. But over a period of time, if we're not careful, what begins to creep back in is that over time, our desire to be in control comes back and it starts to fight us. And, and when we start fighting where we're going, yeah, and this is normally where I hear it from people. You'll hear this first response, well, I just can't really believe that God wanted this. Well, I just can't really believe that God meant that. Well, I just can't really believe that God would not want me to do this. And so when people start to, and that's that self beginning to come back in and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, where... Six months ago, I was going, God, it doesn't matter what you tell me to do. If you tell me to give up everything and move to some other country, I'm going to do it because I just want to do what you want me to do. But then we start to reach that point where we're going, well, I, I don't know. I mean, i got a pretty good job. And, and, and I, you know, God, I, I know, but I really like going and doing this instead of going out and witnessing. God, I really like visiting surely you couldn't want me to, to, to kind of change my life and, and, and make a difference in what I'm doing and how I'm living and, and how, how I go about being your child. Surely you couldn't, you couldn't want that. And, and so, so Paul makes the reference where he says, he says that it, it seems like he throws this cooking reference in out of nowhere. You know, he went all HGTV right in the middle of this, you know, this thing. And, and all of a sudden he throws out this, a little yeast, you know, will affect the whole, the whole loaf. And so I, I started thinking, I started thinking about this false doctrine thing, and I almost brought it in as an illustration today. And, um, you, you know, if you, if you take a, anybody seen any of these, uh, any of these things where you squirt, you squirt a, a, a water flavor in? When, when you take, whether it's Mio or if it's, uh, if it's, um, some of the other, the, the lemonade drinks, stuff like that, they got the little, the little things. And when you squirt that into water, it's clear. It's clear when you start. And uh, Mio had this commercial back uh, maybe a, a year or so ago. They said, you can squirt a little or you can squirt a lot. And, and the guy's changing every time he squirts it into the, into the water. And so when you... When you took and you squirted it in, here, to, here was this clear container of water, and you, when you put that in, it begins. If you just put one drop in, you'll see it, and then it starts to spread. And if you put one in that say it's that's purple, then when it first goes, all you'll start to see is just a little bit of a tinge of color change in it. But if you keep squirting stuff in there, then it just starts to change, and it gets darker and darker and darker. And false doctrine that comes into people's lives is that way. Because when it first starts out, when it first starts out, it seems simple and nobody really notices it. Nobody sees it that much. It just starts to kind of change your heart just a little. But the more that it happens, and one of the things that I find is that when people are starting to struggle with their, that desire for control in their life to come back in and they start questioning all the things about God, let somebody come along with false doctrine and they'll be all over it. They're all on it because it gives an opportunity. Here's somebody that preaches what I want to hear. Here's somebody that preaches the thing that lets me do what I want to do. 
Here's somebody that preaches something that fits. And so what are the type of things that happen? Well, somebody comes along and they begin to preach that well, God wants to just give everybody all kind of money. And so people flock to it. I was watching this past week in, along some of those lines. I saw, um, <clears throat> I saw a guy literally, literally say, if you are struggling with credit card debt and you've just about maxed your credit cards out, he says, I just find that there is something in the spiritual realm that happens with a $1,000 donation. I was like, oh, I got to stick around and see this. I got I to gotta know what's going to happen with this one. And he literally went on to say, if you're struggling with that credit card debt, then what I want you to do is I want you to take that credit card out and I want you to use that credit card. Use that thing that's got you bound. I was going, hmm, okay. And he says, and you need to take and you need to make a $1,000 offering to this ministry, a seed offering on that credit card and God's going to take and he's going he's to use that $1,000 seed that you did on that credit card in order to wipe out your credit card debt. I thought, you know, the sad thing is there's people dialing the phone right now. There are people dialing the phone going, yes, I've been wanting to get out of my credit card debt. We, we got about $1,100 left in open credit. We're going to put $1,000 on there and go. But see, when you start wanting certain things and somebody comes along with false doctrine and you'll just eat it up. You'll be all over it. And he says, and a, but a little bit, but a little bit of that will start to spread into your whole life. That was this whole thing about that little cooking reference about about yeast, it'll spread into everything that's going on in your life. The next thing that, that Paul gets to in this is, is being set free to serve. Then verse 13, For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. He says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, it, it, this, this is the area of teaching. This is where people have failed to communicate. See, the challenge that Paul was facing all through Galatians, and I can tell you 100% for sure people are still facing today, is this idea of us being free and what we're free from. I posted a, a picture. My, my brother from another mother right here, the other Nathan in the church, he, uh, we went, we went uh, Friday night to, to his football game. He's number 24, plays on defense, play, playing a new position. So, so mama, was, mama was sitting over there <laughs> and she was, I was like, I thought you told me you was like one of them crazy parents, you know, you know. She's like, oh, I'm just nervous because he's playing a new position. I want him to do good. Right. So, you know, me, I mean, I, t I finally told him, I said, this is the first high school football game I've ever been to in my life. Of course, Johnny over here and, and, and Piddle both send, you know, Piddle sends a thing, you know, after I posted that saying, we're now going to take your man card. Because you've never been to a high school football game. We're taking your man card. And I felt the need to defend myself. I was like, but I've been to a bunch of Alabama games. Yeah. You know? I was like, but I haven't been to a... She's like, what were you... I think John was like, what were you doing all those Friday nights? You know, or whatever. 
but, but here's one of those transparent moments. I was raised in a very strict um, environment, church environment. And so because of that, as a, as a teenager, I wasn't allowed to play sports. I wasn't allowed to go to sporting events, all this stuff. Some people in here, and particularly if Ed and Sarah were here today, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and that was one of the things I, I said. I said, man, because the older I got and the more I was, was reading the Word, I'm going, I can't find this deal. Because I'm going to be honest what, what I kind of was taught growing up. Um, nobody really said it exactly this way, but it was kind of the thing was, man, everybody goes in football games. They're all about drunk, and, and they're all cussing, you know, and all. so you're going to this stuff, and it's just worldly, you know. And, and, I was, and then I started realizing, wait a minute, though. Some of my buddies from church are in the band. <laughs> and, they, and they don't cuss and all that stuff, but... So once people start down a path and once people start down a process saying, oh, you can't do these things and this stuff is where you. you couldn't go bowling, you couldn't, I couldn't go to the movies and all this stuff, you know, hey, I've been set free, man, woo, I've been delivered, it's great. <laughs> all that stuff that, you know, that, that went on and that, that the older I got, I said, I said, man, I will never do that stuff to my kids because I can't find that stuff in the Bible. Now, I'm not talking about I was trying to find a movie in the Bible or anything like that, but you just got to get, you got to learn this grace thing. You got to understand being set free. And so I understand people being in, in a legalistic environment. And the reason that it happens is because that people won't teach this part. What they'll teach is, they'll teach the part that says, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I tell everybody that they're under grace and they've been set free, if I, if I read everybody Galatians 5 and 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty with which, oh my goodness, everybody's fixing to go out here and live like the devil because they're, they're, they're set free and they're going to heaven, so now they can live however they want to live and it won't matter. So we can't do that. So we got to, oh, we got to go over here and we got to come up with this list of stuff and we got to make everybody feel like that, hey, you got to do this, 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 and this, and you can't do this, 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 and this. Because we won't teach this other hard part where he said, you've been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. He says, you, look, why would you? I, I'm always, for, for, my, for my, well, all three of my teachers are not here today. I was going to say for my teachers, they're going to, but I, I'm one of these big people about that sometimes you say one thing, you've got to, I'm sorry, I missed one. Four I forgot I got four teachers now. Now that Michelle Free and Johnny and Piddle and Chris. But I, I always like to think about the opposite. So if I say that chair is burgundy, then obviously the opposite and multiple opposites are true. It means it's not black, it means it's not blue, it means it's not brown, it means it's not orange, you know, all that other stuff. So when I read scripture, I always think about those things. So when the scripture says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Guess what the reality must be then? The reality must be that there are some people that potentially could use that freedom to try to let their nature run its course. He says, don't we, how do we know it's true? Because we go over into Romans. And he said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't take advantage of this grace and try to use it that way. So Paul says, but instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Sounds like that earlier where he said what you need to have is faith working through love. Instead, use your freedom 
to serve one another in love. And I, I, so I had to stop and think too back through my own history and, and through people around me that I've seen and say, wait a minute then, why is it that we tend to go into some of these legalistic things instead of teaching people that, look, Paul said at one point, he said, all things are lawful to me now, but all things are not expedient. And in other words, all things are not for my benefit. All things are not for my best. All things don't move me along the path I'm supposed to be in, but all things are lawful. Paul did one of these other crazy things, and he says, hey, you know, it's not the things that go into you that defile a man, but it's the things that come out. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we've got all this crazy stuff that he's talking about freedom, but yet he still keeps coming back and saying, but everything's not for your best. Everything doesn't need to be done that way. And so I, I started thinking through then, well, why do we tend to want to address the list then? Why do we tend to, to not preach grace, but then preach this other part that says, hey, don't use your freedom in order to gratify the, the desires that you have, but instead serve one another? Because it's easier to address outward actions than it is to address an inward condition. See, I can see whether you... I told somebody this this week. I have a lot of these discussions all during the week. And now somebody, somebody added me to this secret pastors. Uh, well, they're not, they're not secret that they're pastors, but, but it's a secret group on Facebook that is pastors all over the country, all over the world that can communicate to each other. And so I, I, <laughs> I, made, a, I made a statement at one point this week, and I said here within the last two weeks when this Target thing came up, it, you know, and, and uh, it hit the news and it got everybody all excited. Target is going to go gender neutral in all of their stores. And, and the toy aisle is not going to be boys' toys and girls' toys and all this stuff. And man, Christian people, as expected, you know, it's like somebody lit a match and set it to, you know, some gunpowder. They started blowing up everywhere. You know, and they're, we need to, we need to, to boycott Target. We can't go there. We can't shop there. We can't blow on there going on stuff. And I said, you know... <laughs> Y'all know me. I mean, I, I got a job. I can talk to them. It's, it's all good. I said, hey, I said, uh, you know, it, it, the irony to me is it that we want to get all up in the air over this stuff. It's kind of legalistic in a sense, you know. We can get all up in the air. We're going to boycott Target. But some of y'all don't believe in, you don't believe in using tobacco and you don't believe in, in using alcohol. But it doesn't stop you from buying gas at the gas station that sells both of them. And so you don't believe in, in whether it's porn or soft porn, which you shouldn't. You don't believe in buying those magazines. But you'll shop at the, at the drugstore that sells stuff that's pretty close to it. That don't seem to bother you, you know? And by the way, you'll shop at Walmart that's got both of them. I mean, you know, I mean, but you're all up in arms going, we need to boycott this place because they're going gender neutral. I said, because it's whatever, whatever hits your fancy that week and gets you all excited and, hey, we need to get all legalistic about it. We need, we need to hold our money back. Okay, so, so we all withhold our money. And Target comes back and says, all right, we're going to change it. We're going to put boys' aisles and girls' aisles back inside. And, and the church is high-fiving each other and going, whoa, look what we did. No, all you did was cause them to make an economic decision. It didn't change anybody's heart. They didn't all of a sudden get saved. 
They didn't all of a sudden go, oh, we see the biblical mandate that's there. No, okay, so you withheld money and made them make a change over economics. Well, then when somebody else makes a, a different economic push, then they'll change again to economics. So it's easy to do the things that are external and not be as concerned about the heart change that's got to happen. It's easier to address that stuff. Because I can see if you go in Walmart. I might run up on you in Target. I, I used to get tickled because you know, when I was growing up, people would say, well, you can't go to the movies. Why? It's like a G Disney movie. Well, because you're supporting, and they do R-rated movies. Okay, you go to Walmart, they sell R-rated movies, they sell all kinds of stuff. Well, that's different. Okay. I said it before. Okay, what if we'd have won this, this, this vote? What if we'd have won this Supreme Court vote and they wouldn't have made same-sex marriage legal? Did that would that have changed anybody's heart that's already living in that lifestyle? Would it... So, so what, if we'd have been running around celebrating, high-fiving that, hey, we won a vote? Or you really want to go actually love somebody and change their life with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Outward things that make us feel all better. Or do you want to do the hard work of relationship? That, that's what it really comes down to. Uh, here, here's, I'm going to wrap up in, in part of this. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 12. This, this is the heart of this whole message. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you, momentary pause, narration. Um, he was dealing with their issue was people would eat meat that had been offered to idols. And then other folks that had been set free in Christianity are going, oh my goodness, you can't do that because it used to be the law that you couldn't eat meat that had a certain blood content and they had been offered to idols and all that stuff. And these other folks are going, hey, we don't bother us. We know it's, we're not honoring some idol doing it, but we're not going to let the, the meat go to waste. We're going to cook up this steak and grill on, you know. And they're going, oh, you can't do that. Paul says, hey, if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that's been offered to an idol? So, because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. See, here is, here's the missing link. This is what we've not... We want to go, oh, you have a personal relationship with Christ. It's all about a personal relationship with Christ. Hey, it is. You get into heaven and all that is about a personal relationship with Christ. But here's what Christ then says. In me having a personal relationship with you, I bring you into my family. And when I bring you into my family, I make you part of the body of Christ. And although you and I have a personal relationship, you now have responsibility to the body, to each other. He says, so yes, I've worked out and you have freedom. You as an individual have been set free in Christ. However, I've taken you and put you into a family unit. I've put you in with a body of believers. And some of them are at a more advanced level than you are. Some of them have just started out and so they're weak and they're unsure and they're needing help. And he says, so you're going to have to take the freedom that I've given you in the personal relationship and you're going to have to recognize your responsibility to the believers around you. So you don't just get to do whatever you want, however you want to do it. You have to now think about your brother and your sister in Christ. 
you have to look at them and go, wait a minute. I'm not only seeking to honor Christ, but I'm also seeking to help these that are around me for us to move forward together. For us to go down the path to becoming more like Christ. Not just say, dude, I'm free. It doesn't matter about all the rest of y'all. I'm doing my thing. He says, that's not the case. He says, in fact, when you encourage someone else to do something that they in their heart have been convicted, we're not talking about what the Bible, that the Bible says it's wrong. Because the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong for everybody. He says, but if you've been convicted of it and someone convinces you to go ahead and do it anyway, hey, go ahead and do that. Man, I'm telling you, there ain't nothing wrong. Jason, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong. There's not anything in the Bible that you go, but, 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 Brother Nathan, I just. And I just feel like I'm convicted that for me it's not. I mean, you need to shake that. You need, don't, no. And then you go ahead and you do it anyway. I'm just going to tell you what Paul said. Paul said, you're sinning against Christ. Because you're, you're urging someone to go past their conviction. That for some reason, God is trying to convict in their life. Hey, here's the thing that I learned out of my own life. If you can't go to the movies else that you're going to go and watch something that, that shows a bunch of skin and stuff you shouldn't see, it's going to make you have impure thoughts, then don't go. But now when I finally have some grandkids, because I'm telling you, all it's coming. I predicted within one year, but it's getting close. I'm afraid I'm going to lose. I'm afraid I'm going to lose. I, 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 I said Alexis would be, you know, within one year she'd be pregnant. I'm... I'm Every now and then, I just text my son-in-law, keep trying, son, just keep, <laughs> come on. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you, don't let me down. Don't, don't let me down in this. I, you know, we kind of got a wager going here, you know. I mean, I don't know what y'all got going, but I need, I need this to, you know, come on. I mean, come on. Get with it. But I don't know, it's not working so far. <laughs> but when I have kids, our grandkids, Look, don't get mad because I take my grandkids to go see, you know, some Winnie the Pooh thing or something like that, you know, because I, I don't have a problem. Even though I grew up now, I don't have a problem, you know, going and, and standing in line and wanting to go, oh, man, I'd like to go see that because I heard there's nudity and all that stuff. I don't have that problem. If you got that problem, don't do it. If you got that problem, turn your cable off, you know. If you got that problem, disconnect your Internet. I mean, do whatever you got to do. All right? Don't let anybody else encourage you to go ahead and go do it anyway because you ought to be stronger. Because look, well, you're going to grow. We're going to grow along this path. If you got to, remind them, say, hey, you sinned against Christ. <laughs> They'll be like, what? Yeah, hey, let me take you right here. I'm going to take you right there. If you encourage somebody to do it, you're, you're sinning against Christ. So through love, serve one another. I want to ask you this. Uh, Romans 13 and 9 actually says, he says, uh, I'm not going to throw it up here. I want you to think about it. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I, I had to start thinking about that. Wait a minute. So what he's really saying is you wouldn't commit adultery. You wouldn't steal. You wouldn't commit murder. You wouldn't commit false witness, any of that stuff, if you love your neighbor. Why is that? Well, because, and, and we like to think neighbor, we think about just the people that live next door to us, but he's talking in the grand scale of, of people. 
Well, if you look and if you love your neighbor, well, your wife's your neighbor. Your husband's your neighbor. Your children, they're your neighbor. If you love them, are you going to go cheat on your wife? If you love them, are, are you going to abuse them? If you love the guy across the street with the love of Christ, <laughs> in today's world, if you lo with the love of Christ, are you going to go commit adultery with his wife? Because you, you, you love him. Would you do that to somebody that you... Are you going to go steal from, from somebody when you're loving your neighbor? So you're going to go take what... You're going to steal what they have? Man, it's... This one's hard, guys. Because all the stuff that we struggle with, saying ugly things about people and, and being angry and all stuff, it, if we love our neighbor, does this stuff happen? Romans, Paul said, all of these commandments are summed up in this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the last one... There's only two slides in this. You are what you eat. So if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. What's he saying? He says, look, if in the church you're attacking each other, he said, what's going to end up happening is you're all going to be dead. You're all going to be spiritually destroyed. Why? Because he says if you're biting and you're, you're devouring each other, then everybody's going to go down. Everybody's going to be, be out for the count in this deal. The opposite of love is hate. And hate manifests itself in what we attack and destroy. Y'all know, since I like opposite things, then if, if what I hate, I attack and destroy then I could flip that around and say, if I catch myself attacking and destroying something, I must be showing hatred toward it. So when I go to open my mouth and say something that's destructive without an intent to build up, I say something destructive, I say something hateful, I say, then, then it must be because I'm demonstrating hate toward that thing. And then I've got to stop and check myself. Go, wait a minute. What's my attitude toward this person? What's my attitude toward this situation? When we want to, oh my goodness, those people out in Hollywood and this and that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And so, but that's the truth. Yes, it is. But the Bible also says speak the truth in love. So is my desire to love my neighbor? But he's not, he's sinful and he's wrong. And I know, and Jesus was sent by God because God so loved the world that he would give his only begotten son. He said that even when we were yet in sin, that Christ loved us. So if Christ can love you when you were yet in sin, He didn't say love your Christian neighbor. He didn't say that all these commandments are tied up in this one. Love your neighbor that goes to church with you. Love your neighbor that goes to the same kind of church like you do. Love your neighbor if they go to church. Love your neighbor if they go at least more than once a month. You didn't say any of those things. Love your neighbor if they're not hateful to you. He said these are all hung up in one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself.